are in the book of Matthew. We're studying through the book of Matthew. We have been in the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 7. We are actually, hopefully, <laughs> going to finish chapter 7 this morning. We have four sections to get through. We'll give it a shot. Let's read Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and following. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So this section of, of verses from 13 to 29 are, are Jesus' conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. In other words, he's coming to the place where he's bringing all of those teachings that he's given on that mount to a conclusion through these final statements. So it's probably fairly significant. Every once in a while, I, God has to be laughing, just having a good time. I just think that he laughs and has a good time. And, he's, and, he, and he laughs every once in a while when a pastor gets up in front of folks and tries to explain Jesus' words. <laughs> because they're not always that easy to do. And we've talked about that, how there are things in Scripture that are, that especially Jesus' words, he, give, he, he purposely, purposely says things that are not necessarily understandable on the surface, and you really have to dig and wrestle and even pursue God and say, God, I need understanding. What did you mean by this? And sometimes what, he, what, what it looks like on the surface, the opposite of what you think it should be, is actually what it is. And so you, you have to really become dependent on the Holy Spirit for revelation. So let's look at this and see how we do with this. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter, it, enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. In other words, Jesus is saying most people don't find the right way. Most people don't find it. But my thought is that he's, he's teaching, he's not teaching, he's not presenting the gospel on the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching principles of the kingdom. 
And so he's saying, Christians, not everybody finds the narrow gate. We have a tendency as people to follow the crowd. Trendsetters come along once in a while and set a trend, and then everybody tries to to be unique in following that trend. They don't set their own trend. They just follow in the footsteps of the trend. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's very few pioneers. There's very few trendsetters. And I think that Jesus is saying, I like trendsetters. I like pioneers. I like people who are willing to have such a relationship with me that you're willing to go where nobody else has gone before. But he says, enter through the narrow gate. The, the, the small, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Now, that's not saying that it's necessarily meant to be exclusive, but I think that it has to do with the fact that he told us to ask, seek, and knock. It comes out of relationship with him. There's something about the abundant life that God wants us to enjoy and walk in that doesn't come easily or naturally. It has to be pursued. And it's sometimes a hidden treasure, and we have to look for that, and we have to continue. I'm not sure that there's just one gate. There might be many of them. That we have to find along the way. But it just says one gate here. But I have a feeling that that Jesus is saying, here's another issue we have. I've got it all figured out. And I think in this statement, Jesus is saying, no, you don't. (laughs) Make sure that you don't get to the point where you think you have it figured out. Because a lot of people, obviously, a lot of people are fooled thinking they've got all the answers and they don't. Narrow. Very few find that way. Don't assume that what you know is true or is truth. Now, I'm not saying you're supposed to question the Bible. I, don't, I ask questions about the Bible, but I don't question the Bible's veracity. I know it's true. But what I question is my understanding of it. How well do I know it? Do I really understand it the way that I should? And so the bottom line for that is, am I teachable? Am I willing to learn? Okay, and I think that that's part of what Jesus is saying. He he made that statement. Imagine all these people are listening to this teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. And the tendency is to think, yeah, that guy needs to hear this. And oh, yeah, she needs to remember this part of the sermon. And that's for everybody else. But we very rarely apply it to ourselves. And then he says, you know what? The truth is that very few people find the right way. Most people take the broad way which really diminishes our lives. Or he says the road to destruction, which means destroying your life. And so we need to be willing to learn. We need to be teachable. I think Jesus is saying, be teachable. And let me, let me in relationship with you, let me teach you the things that will lead to greater fulfillment of your life. Don't think that you've got it figured out. I'm always learning. And I've, I've heard that as you get older, and I'm more and more becoming one of those people, <laughs> one of the older people, <laughs> that it's harder to learn as you get older. Well, that's not really true. It's not really true. There's actually a way as you get older. I'm learning more as I get older than I did when I was younger. It all has to do with our willingness to be open to new things. And so who wants to be a pioneer? We've, we've often felt here that we're kind of pioneers at New Beginnings. 
Why do we pick that name? Maybe that's why we pick that name. New beginnings. Over and over again, we're trying new things and stepping out in new areas. <laughs> Verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do not pick grapes from thorn. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. I, I believe that Jesus is telling us to be a fruit inspector here. Look at people in their lives. And it's not always that easy to be able to be a fruit inspector because it takes a while for fruit to manifest. Sometimes people come along and they sound really good, and, and you don't, you're not able to really tell whether there's good fruit coming from their lives. It's not always readily apparent. But it eventually does become apparent whether they're walking in alignment with the truth or not. And he says, watch out for false prophets because they're coming. They're out there. They're all over the place. Well, he's not painting a very positive picture. Narrow is the gate. False prophets. In other words, be on your toes. I'm, I'm, I'm a person that I want, I want to understand truth, and I want the truth that I, that I cling to to be intellectually sound. But it's not enough for the theology that I adopt to be, to be sound intellectually. It has to work. It has to be functional for me. It has to make a difference somehow, somewhere. Um, the principles have to be applicable. And, I, and hopefully, actually as a pastor... In our church setting today, it's, it's incumbent on pastors to come with a new message and fresh teaching week after week after week after week. And, and I guess that's a good thing. But the difficult part of all that is if I'm teaching principles and they're biblical principles, if we're not applying them, why keep teaching? Why keep adding to the list of things we're supposed to do that we may not be doing or, or putting into practice. And so the things that I... Uh, I'm incredibly pragmatic when it comes to... I didn't realize how much I was until I really began... Well, I was about 20 years old when I really gave my life to the Lord. I'd been raised in a Christian home, and I just turned my back on the Lord because it just didn't seem practical. It just, didn't, it just seemed like not real until I finally began to hear some teachings that made sense and made Christianity practical. And then I was in, man. I was in. And I've been, it's been a lifelong quest of not trying to find formulas or not trying to find methods, but principles, when applied, make a difference. But there's plenty of people out there that are trying to lead us astray and take us in a different direction. So how do we, how do we know? How do we know when there are false teachers and false prophets trying to lead us astray? Well, one thing that has worked for me is that when I hear something new, if it's something new that I've never heard before, if there's somebody doing something in the body of Christ that I've never heard of somebody doing before, whether it's in the area of evangelism or whether it's in the area of healing or whether it's in the area of deliverance um, or whatever area, if it's something new and different, very often I will sense in my spirit whether it's right or not. Even though I don't have intellectually have the... the uh, the biblical backup and understanding of whether it's okay to do that. And so 
it'll either resonate with me, ring of truth in my spirit, or it won't. And that's one way of kind of testing things. I, I, I believe that, um, and the reason that's important is because I grew up in a, in a culture, church culture, where more doors and windows were closed than were open, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it was more, don't, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, rather than, you're in the kingdom of God. Look at the possibilities and the potential of all the things that you can do. Of, the, of the, the areas of life that are yet to be explored, the depth and riches of what Jesus purchased on the cross. It's not, it's not negative. It's not limited. It's, it's infinite in possibility. And so let's go explore. Let's try new things. And we've even said that here. Let's try. I'm willing to try new things, even if they're not necessarily right. Test the fruit. Okay, what if we make a mistake? Oh, terrible if we make a mistake. No, we learn from mistakes, don't we? And we move on. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. But whatever we attempt, whatever we do, and I'm saying that I'm trying to be a false prophet or false teacher. I'm just saying that they come and by their fruit you will know them. And anything that comes along will know by its fruit. And we can test the fruit. What kind of an impact does it have in the lives of people? What kind of an impact does it have in my life? Another thing that I look at is, does that principle or truth, whether it works or not or is functional, does it bring me closer to Jesus? Does it enhance my relationship with my Father? Does it give me deeper insight into Him? And does it promote my relationship and my intimacy with him. And that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And so some things that I look at um, and watch. And you know, I've seen that there are times when teachings come and go, and, and if they're not really from God, it will fade and will disappear. But I think those people who develop intimacy with Jesus really develop a close relationship with him. They'll be able to spot the true from the false right up front. And they won't necessarily get involved in those things. Sometimes the Holy Spirit lets us walk into something for a while just so that we learn to trust Him more. And so watch for that. Those who, and those teachings and those people that God establishes will last. They'll have perseverance. They'll be long-lasting. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. The first question that comes to mind is this lordship salvation that um, unless you do everything right, you're not saved. Well, let me just say that, that salvation comes by faith in Jesus plus nothing. Salvation is a free gift. It comes by trusting Jesus as your Savior in, the, in, in that he died on the cross, paid for our sin, and by trusting him, putting your faith in him, your trust, your confidence in him, you are forgiven of your sins and God gives to you a new life. You become a child of God. Faith in Jesus plus nothing. I like to say it that way because people have a tendency to add things to it. Well, I have to go to church and I have to do this. No, faith in Jesus plus, plus nothing is what brings salvation. But let's look at this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father 
who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and, did, and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? There are people who have this idea that the way that they earn God's favor is by doing things, by doing works, by piling up the biggest pile of good works, of good deeds, and that God would be impressed with what we do. And therefore, we, we earn his favor that way. What does Jesus say? I never knew you. What does that mean? There was no relationship. There's no relationship. You're doing things for God is not the issue. It's the issue is relationship. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. How do you know what the will of the Father is? How do you know what the Father's will is? You have to be in relationship with him. You have to talk to him. He has to talk to you. I mean, there are some things in Scripture that we know what his will is, but do you know what the will of God is for your life throughout the day? From one moment to the next? Is it possible that he has specific things for you to do? Is it possible that there's specific tasks that he has for you? But if you don't have relationship with him, how are you going to know what they are? Well, if you don't really have relationship with him, the only thing you can do is come up with your own ideas and say, well, here, God, this is what I'm doing for you. It's like that old statement I've used many times. A person wanted to please God, so he baked apple pies for God every day. Baked an apple pie, baked an apple pie, baked an apple pie. He died, went to heaven, and found out that God doesn't like apple pies. Oh, no. What's wrong with that picture? Well, it's one of these people. They're doing all kinds of things for God, but it's not based on relationship with him. It's all what they think they ought to do. And so Jesus is saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, he's really throwing some things at these folks saying, you really need to think about this deeply. Don't just take things lightly. Now, I, I thought about this um, just to try to clarify this even a little more. Let's say that I finally met a neighbor in my neighborhood and I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to them and I bake a meal, and I take it over to them. And God says to me afterwards, I, I didn't want you to bake a meal for them. I wanted you to share the gospel with them. Okay? Oh. But what about the inverse of that? What if I finally meet my neighbor, and I go over, and I share the gospel with him, and God said, I didn't want you to share the gospel. I wanted you to take a meal to him. Now are you confused? The issue is... Not what I think I ought to do, but what God thinks I ought to do. And learning to be sensitive to him and do what he says. We, we tend to, and I've tended to, in, a, in the first, uh, first 10, 15 years of my relationship with God where I was really serious, I wanted to study the Bible, know the Bible so well, so that I would know what to do in every situation. I wanted a formula for everything. I wanted to be able to follow the plan. And if I just do this, then God's going to be happy and life's going to be wonderful. And I, so I, I, would, I would study. And I, thought, I finally got it figured out. Good. Now I just have to do this. So the next time I tried my plan, it didn't work. And I said, oh, that, mu- that must not be the right one. So I'd study and study and study. And think, oh, now I, okay, God, you want me to do this? then this, then this, then this. Okay, got it. So I put the plan in place, and it didn't work again. Okay, it's going to take me a long time till I get this down. 
until I realized it has nothing to do with a formula or figuring things out that way, but it has to do with relationship and has to do with hearing the voice of God's Spirit and responding to that. And the more responsive I am to the Holy Spirit's prompting, the more He will prompt me. And the more resistant I am or the more, the more I ignore His promptings and turn away from that, then the less he'll, he'll ask me to do or less He'll share with me. And it's not because he wants to be stingy, but he doesn't want to add condemnation to me that because I'm not doing what he wants. And I just feel guilty that oh, I, didn't, I, I know you told me and I didn't do that. And I, he doesn't want to add condemnation. And so the, the issue is, is not, with this passage of Scripture, is not heaven or hell. It has to do with do you have a relationship with the Father? And do you listen? It's not about works. It's not about works. Salvation doesn't come by works, and we don't please the Father by works, but we please the Father by obedience. Obedience. We honor Him. We honor Him when we obey. I, you know, we, we raised three kids, and the most rewarding thing that you can have is one of the most rewarding things you can have is as a parent is when your kids just naturally do what's right you don't have to tell them because they're honoring you by being obedient to the things you've taught them when you see them make decisions that are the right ones because you've taught them that and now they're making that decision on their own to follow you or when they actually get to the point where they want to express their love to you and you don't ask and they just do something kind for you because your dad I just love you mom I just love you and that's what God desires from us is that kind of relationship where we just we become really good friends with Jesus. And everything that we do throughout our life is, is in response to his promptings. Now, there's one other aspect to all of this, and it's not that God is wanting to direct every minute segment of our lives. He's not going to tell us everything to do. He's not going to do that. And one of the reasons for that is because he created us as individuals and he put within us his image. We are created in his image. So there are actually things that we can decide to do that aren't necessarily prompted by him, but still reflect his character and his glory. And when, do, when are we allowed to do that? Well, when he doesn't give us specific instruction. Gee, can I take a meal over to my neighbor? What do you think about that, Holy Spirit? Well, do what you want. Okay, I'll take a meal over. And so you're being kind, but it's not. But we, if we never give God the opportunity to tell us, then we won't know. So there comes a growing sensitivity to his spirit that we have to develop. And yet there's still things, because of the way he created me, I will express myself in certain ways, and you will express yourself and who God's created you to be in certain ways as well. But the, the, but the whole thing is, are we motivated by love for him, and are we listening? Are we tuned in so that we can respond to what he tells us? Okay, let's do this last segment. I've got to get this last segment done and be finished with chapter 7. Verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. 
When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So what's he saying here? This is the great danger I talked about earlier. He gave all these teachings on the Sermon of the Mount, and he said, and this is the last thing he said, it's not going to do you a bit of good if you don't put into practice what I just taught you. And so here's a question for you. Is there ever a time in your life where you come to Scripture and you say, okay, I'm going to apply this principle in my life this week? I just learned, well, there's a bunch of things that we just learned in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacemakers. Okay, I'm going to live a life of peace. I'm going to look for ways to, to spread God's peace this week and just make that a focus. Putting into practice his word. I'm going to show mercy this week. Or I'm going to stop judging this week or maybe this month. Do you ever take a scripture, I'm going to apply this to my life, I'm just going to put it into practice. Because he says, if you put into practice my words, you're building a house, you're building a life. You're building your life on a foundation that is solid, and when the storms come, it will stand. Do you ever think about the possibility of your life being a total waste? Isn't that what he's saying? possible to waste your whole life it's possible to waste part of your life it's possible to waste half of your life it's possible to waste most of your life if you don't put into practice the words of jesus and i believe that we need to focus on the words of jesus i i agree they are tough sometimes they're tough the things that he he puts out there are sometimes tough to understand and sometimes tough to apply. And the only reason that they're tough to apply is because we're so, well, we have this, we have this tiny little issue. We have, we have just this little issue we have with pride. <laughs> Wanting to do things our way. And the works of the kingdom have to do with submission to God and humility before him and doing what he wants. But, but, the, but the, the upside of it is, that life works when we follow his plan. And so Jesus is saying, build your house on the firm foundation of my teachings and of my words. And so he's calling our lives, the, the analogy or the metaphor is that our lives are like a house. And the truth of the matter is that there are houses, okay, there are houses that from the world's perspective are beautiful. But from heaven's perspective, they're a dump. And there are houses that from earth's perspective look like a dump. And from heaven's perspective are absolute mansions. What kind of house do you want? What kind of house do you want to be? Maybe I should ask. What kind of house do you want to be? And so Jesus kind of brings things to a, to a, to a conclusion here. He says, you know, it's your choice. It's your choice. What do you want your legacy to be? Who are you trying to please? What is your life going to amount to? So maybe just ponder that a little bit. How much of his words do you apply to your life? How, how intentional are you about taking his words and you know people can 
people can speak out Bible verses. Can you live it? Can you demonstrate it with your life? That phrase, share the gospel with everybody and when necessary, use words. It's putting into practice the, the words of Jesus. Putting him into practice. It comes through relationship with him. Relationship with him. Knowing him well. Being able to hear him and follow him. If you're here this morning and you've never, never trusted Jesus as your Savior, that's the first thing you need to do. To come into relationship with him by faith in Jesus. Realizing that you're separated from God because of sin. And you need to trust Jesus as your Savior, as the one who died for you. Paid the price for your sin. Complete, full payment for your sin. And by simply putting your faith and trust in him, you will be born again. You will be forgiven of your sin. And you will become a child of God. And God will give you a new life. Salvation is faith in Jesus plus nothing. Then if you want your life to be a beautiful mansion from heaven's perspective, be a doer of the word and not merely a hearer only. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your...